Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul to Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, that new Hoosier survey shows a clear majority of Hoosiers support uh, legalized marijuana or cannabis, either for personal or medicinal uses. So we figured it'd be a good time to chat with our good friend who's a cannabis lobbyist, Andrew Bowman. Uh, Andy spends his time over at the State House trying to convince those guys uh, to do some legalization or move a little bit uh, in legalization direct. So, Andy, my friend, how's it going? Doing well. Thank you for having me on again. Always a pleasure to see you. So, let me ask you, how's cannabis doing here in the state of Indiana? It's flying high. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. All right, rim shot to get got that out the way. Uh, honestly, two answers. You have that what's actually happening and then kind of the what's optically available it doesn't it doesn't look great if you look at just the laws we still don't have cbd flower although there's a bunch of groups working on that and i think we'll have some success this session um and we obviously still don't have medical or adult use cannabis but where i say it actually is better than it appears is in private conversations with the members and leadership we're getting more and more members that are um going from against it to being neutral and then from being neutral to quietly supporting. So we're chipping away at each group and and other um, industry groups as well that are opposing and getting more and more people to come on board and at least listen to the data we've had because there's more than 40 years of data on this um, and getting them to see that there is some reputable uses for this and and good sources of information. Uh, When we look at uh, the whole issue of cannabis, what is their big opposition and then how do you sort of, you know, slowly... Make those changes into those small baby steps. Great question. I would say it's it's a handful of uh, issues. One is driver safety, uh, road safety, and that's and and look, no one in good faith is going to tell you you should use these products and then go drive or use them while driving. Um, so it's just common sense usage. So I think that helps that, and that goes back to like an education, just educating new clients, educating you know returning clients too of what's what's currently viewed as safe and not, and just common sense. You know, like drinking a Diet Coke with one hand, that's a distraction in itself, too. And I'm, Or put on makeup. A hundred percent. I've lost a contact and put one in before. I probably shouldn't say it on the radio. <laughs> but, you know, like all those things. And so it's, it's driver safety is a huge one. And to that point, there's been some issues. The state police believe that there's no accurate roadside testing currently. Last year, there was um, a new device. Well, it's a program that basically uses the, the VR headsets you can buy commonly. And it, and it runs the ocular test that they currently do if you get pulled over, and it's seeing really good results. I've not heard about it in about a year, so it's a good reminder for me to see where they're at. But that was getting clinically tested and, and performing well because it basically takes the human error out of it, and it does all the ocular tests via the scanners in this thing and testing your muscle control. And actually, like, are you an impaired driver versus do you have something in your system that could be in your system for three to four months? And Because that, that was a question. I know, I know always with uh, with alcohol tests, you can immediately tell you know, whether somebody's a .08 or, or above or above or Low, but with marijuana, it can sit, literally sit in your system for months, even though you're not impaired. You can still test positive for it. Yeah, yeah, and that's spot on. That's been a real big problem. Um, another issue is the education in general. So, human bodies have the endocannabinoid system; it is an actual system in your body that medical science and doctors are just now learning about in the last five, ten-ish years. Don't quote me on that time frame, but it's a relatively short time frame. And so it's reteaching these doctors that this is an actual thing with actual CB1 and CB2 receptors in your bodies. 
So it's not just like some bro science we made up. Um, it's this is an actual system in your body and, and, and other animals as well. Dogs have it as well. Um, other creatures, not a veterinarian, but, uh, so it's just teaching about that and it's just education and then breaking the gap, bridging the gap on, there is all this data like we spoke on and to your point, like, how do you get them to listen? Usually it's just being a, a source that they know is honest and have integrity. And so it's just building up those relationships over years. And then also just, just repetition. You know, it's just continually being there as a source and saying, hey, we have this data. It's been around for 40 years. Israel's been doing this for forever. California's had it for 20, 30 years. Colorado, many other states have been looking at this for a while, and clearly they haven't fallen apart. It's funny you mentioned the, the cannabinoids, uh, endocrinoid system in, in dogs, because we get our dogs CBD treats. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we just took a trip uh, down to Nashville, Indiana for a weekend. And my wife wouldn't take the dogs with us. So I was like, well, the dogs haven't really traveled in a the car. They're going to be freaking out. So I got them some CBD oil treats, and they were fine. Excellent. That's right, because you got the new puppy. <laughs> yes. That's, that's awesome. And, and, and also, if you have dogs, and again, I don't want to make unfounded medical claims, the data is starting to come back. If you have dogs with dysplasia, so I have a one-year-old husky, so I always think of like what the medium to big dog problems could be. Or, or with the cancers, because we feed them some of this. It's a whole other thing from a TED Talk, but it's a whole other thing. Was like some of the additives they put in dog foods, right? So it's like they're getting face cancer like my old dog Achilles had things like that where this could potentially help them or if nothing else allow them to have a better quality of life with like the arthritis or the dysplasia so yeah it's it's great and uh, and it's silly that we still have the wrong regulations in place because i want to be super clear that all of us that are the good actors and i'll include myself in that uh, <laughs> but like we want some common sense regulation because as you know the the cannabis plant acts as a sponge for heavy metals and insecticides and pollutants you can actually use it to clear up um issues in the soil in places and then you have to safely discard the plant uh and so it's like if you have a compromised immune system or your pet does like we love our pets we love our our family members ourselves i hope you don't want to put something that's tainted or going to make a situation worse so we do want some common sense regulation but right now unfortunately they just keep looking at the wrong angles in my mind Uh, i thought it was interesting too that uh indiana is literally an island uh michigan has it legalized illinois has legalized I want to say Ohio has it uh, legalized. To a certain degree, Kentucky has uh, certain things. Well, is, is sort of on, on on the verge. So, what's Indiana's problem? Oh, it's even worse than that. We're an island, an island, an island. Because don't forget, you got Canada and Mexico now too. <laughs> so, once again, what's Indiana's issue? Uh, I th- honestly, I think it goes to a couple things. No easy answer from a lobbyist, right? <laughs> I would say it's you like have... talking to a lawyer. Right. <laughs> I'm with you. It's. Um, I think. The, and keep me on track because I'm going to go a couple spots. One, it's education. So you still have a lot of people that are living in like the 30s. With respect, um, they're still living in the 30s off of 30s science. And I could do a whole podcast on this based in the history of the drug war based on actually racism in Mexico and their president, who was an actual fascist, going against the shamanistic practices of his opposition. And they used cannabis. And then a lot of those people fled from him, came to the U.S., and our newspapers picked up their stories and then re- resold them because they sold. And so it was like the yellow journalism. And so that's actually where this all started, which is interesting because a lot of people don't know. So it's it's breaking those old stories and that old fake, not fake news, but like the, the wrong data, and then showing the actual data and the results that these people like Dr. Mashulam in Israel who just passed away, the cutting edge science they've done. So it's getting them that. The other problem is that we don't, the legislators are not hearing from their constituents. The people they're hearing from, and I always harp on this, is like the white kids with dreadlocks and the Bob Marley t-shirt. I'm happy you're on the team, bro. We all know you're on the team, with respect. We need the business people, the men and women in suits, you know, that, and not to hit a stereotype, but that have showered today. You know, we need those people to come out 
and first off, I want everybody on the team. You're all welcome with us. But like, we need those professionals, the business people to come out, the scientists that say, hey, I've been using for 40 years and you call me as a reference every time you have a bill. Like those are the people we need to come out because we all know they're there. We all know them. We've all hung out with them. But getting them to come and contact their legislators because the biggest thing you hear from the legislators is that they don't hear from their constituents. And that the ones that do make sure you're, respe- you're respectful because think of how you want to be talked to and that you have your data and you're prepared. And I think you're going to see that you'll actually go pretty far with them. Our guest in the program today is cannabis lobbyist Andy Bauman. Uh, Andy's a good friend. I've uh, known him for years. We used to work over in the uh, Indiana State Senate. Now he's a lobbyist for the cannabis industry here in Indiana. So we're kind of talking about uh, cannabis based on the uh, base. And what started this conversation uh, was the Hoosier survey uh, that came out recently that said basically uh, 85 to 90 percent of Hoosiers support uh, marijuana legalized uh, for medicinal purposes or for uh, recreational purposes. Uh, an interesting thing, uh, Andy, and like I said, no, you're not an attorney, but I still want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Attorney General, or soon to, former, soon to be former Attorney General Todd Rakita, however you do the do the math here, uh, recently put out uh, an opinion uh, on uh, CBD, basically saying that CBD, because it's a derivative of THC and it's not legal at the federal level, it's illegal and that sort of that. Uh, some law enforcement folks, maybe in some not so urban areas, started closing down CBD shops. Then Rakita maybe started to walk back his comments a little bit. Uh, I found out uh, then. Uh, our mutual friend Justin Swanson, uh, who uh, yeah, who works for who works with the hemp industry, uh, basically they filed a lawsuit, basically wanted to get an injunction on Rakita mm-hmm. or any sort of enforcement. Uh, it turns out there was this, the, the same case. Just take out uh, in Arkansas, believe it or not, in Arkansas federal court, take out Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, put in Todd Rakita, and it's the exact same litigation. A federal court said, "Nope, can't do that. This is regular at the federal level. It's all good, clear." Bam, we're we're throwing it out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts on all that fun stuff? <laughs> I I have many thoughts. <laughs> I uh, it's it's apparent to me, speaking only for myself, and I don't want to disrespect or question anybody's integrity. Certainly, um, but it's clear that that person is a politician through and through, and is does a lot of things. In my opinion. That would he does things to further his own political career and what he thinks is going to be expedient. I think he shot first without thinking. Obviously, since he chose a law that got overthrown, so you're lazy twice. You copied someone's bill, actually, which isn't fair. A lot of legislatures do that, but you didn't even make sure it was withstanding. Um, and particularly, the problematic for me is that this was all covered in the 2018 Farm Bill. This was all explicitly made legal, and so I always have problems when. Any legislator affected or, or non-elected officials with some of the PACs you see where just because they don't like something, they think no one else should have access to it. I don't like avocados. I'm not coming after you hippies eating it on toast. It's not my life. It doesn't bother me. I'm not the best analogy, but it's just you see that time and time again in the state house sometimes or even with the feds where they don't like it and they think, well, because I don't like something, even if it's safe, no one else should have it. In other words, we're all for freedom until we're not. A hundred percent. But that's like the state house, right? It's like they have the rules, and then on signing diets, like we don't need a time frame. Twenty-four hour rule thrown out. Yeah, we'll just stop the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but way back in the day, Abdul does. We used to have analog clocks in the state house, and so on signing diet, it's a constitutionally mandated end date at a date and time. They would literally stop the clocks because the old analog clocks are like eleven fifty-five, and it'd be eleven fifty-five for four hours, so they could get the bills done. Now it's all digital; they can't, so they create fake 
fake dates. But, uh, yeah, that's so funny. We, we can never let that story die because it was a real thing that happened. Exactly. Uh, like I said, uh, you said Indiana is an island within an island. Yeah. Uh, whether it is Illinois, whether it's Michigan, Ohio, uh, Kentucky, uh, how are marijuana sales doing? And uh, my, my running joke is whenever I you know, stop by the dispensary in Danville, Illinois, because somebody asked me, to do, how far is Indiana away from legalized marijuana? I was like, well, actually, it's 72 miles. Just exit to 20 Danville, make a right in the mm-hmm. front of the road to Sunnyside. Not that I've been there before, but you got to get to know these things. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's my day job. Uh, how much of that is being purchased outside of Indiana and brought back into Indiana? Back of envelope math that I've done, because I have family in Michigan, so I have to go up there pretty often. And I also am nosy, so I'd like to check and see. I would venture that probably half, if not more, of all the border sales, so I'd say like the bottom third of Michigan, the eastern third of Illinois, are probably Hoosiers based on license plates, talking to stores, see what their experiences are. Then you even see that when people go in a little bit farther. So I would say the easily over half. And then to your question about the sales, they've been exploding. Um, a year and a half ago, I haven't seen the last data, but a year and a half ago, I think Illinois had $1.5 billion in sales with a half B in tax revenue. And Michigan was like a hundred or a, a couple million off of that, pretty similar. And then with my guess that probably a third of those sales are probably going from Indiana. And we could probably extrapolate it if I hired an intern to like really buckle down for a couple of weeks on these numbers. But you got to imagine Indiana's missing out on probably a, a bill, a B bill in revenue, and anywhere from three hundred to five hundred thousand or um, million in in tax revenue. Now their argument's going to be we've got the big surplus, we don't need the money. No, not for long. Right, right. But I'd also say, you know, like... Not between the FSA, Medicaid, and uh, the education funding running out. No, and it's, it's, it's not going to be here for a while, folks. Right. And, and, and to your point, it's, it's we need to be prepared. And so while I do have a huge problem with other states where they think cannabis is this green ticket to pay for everything... Literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's it could help. In, in my mind, it will always be, and I'm not the only one working on this issue, and I don't want to pretend like I am. There's plenty of us lobbyists, great people working on it. But, like, the money should go to industries actually affected. In my mind, infrastructure a little bit because you're going to be using the roads. Police for education because they'll probably respond to panic attacks the first year. EMT, similar reason. Maybe education to an extent in that they're going to need teachers to know, like, is a student stoned or not. But I also am not okay with a bl- Andy Bauman speaking with a blank check where we just give it to ISTA. And I like ISTA. I'm friends with Ronnie. We, all, we, we are. But it's just like – and I'm not calling them out. It's just since we were talking about this. Mm. It, or, you know, or like Hardee's. I don't think, well, actually, they probably people go there. <laughs> that analogy. But, you know, it's like as long as the industries are affected by it, I think it's fair. It's just when we go into like issues like California, where it's this golden goose, they overregulate it, overtax it. And, or in Illinois, where you're spending like, what, 80 or $90 for an eighth, and you could theoretically go to Michigan and get an ounce for that price. It's not going to be the best product, but like, that's crazy. And so that's the other thing is that I think we do need some common sense regulation so where we can have. We can protect consumers both on the health-wise, but also the industry where you're not gouging. You know, it reminds me, not to be extreme on this but or hyperbolic, but it reminds me when they were overcharging for insulin. Like, if you're using this for adult use, fine. But if you have a medical condition that this could benefit, and they're charging you $90 for an ounce, or I'm sorry, for an eighth, that realistically should cost you like $15. Like, that's that's highway robbery. Andy, Bob, with us uh, for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, so, Andy, what do you see as the future of marijuana here uh, in Indiana? Is it like... As I, as I jokingly said, you know, six years, it took us forever to get Sunday retail alcohol sales, which, by the way, six years of all that passing. But thank, thank you, Facebook, for, for reminding me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you see the future of marijuana being here in Indiana? Uh, I think, it, like, time frame-wise? Yeah. I think 
one great question. One of my favorite things to do is to think about, like, one, what's the industry going to look like products-wise? And I think there's going to be jillions of products that we haven't even thought of, which is exciting to me. And then what's it going to look like legalization-wise? I'd say it's going to be, realistically, I'd like to think that with the, the hard work that MH uh, Midwest Hump Council is doing on us and other groups, you're going to see, especially them on this, the CBD flower, you're going to see that hopefully get le- re-legalized again so people have access to that at least. Um, and then through some of the stuff we're doing, I'd like to think that we'll get medical, hopefully passed. It'll be the new governor's probably first term. Well, it will be the first term. I'd say probably that first year with the new governor, so maybe like next year-ish. I'd like to see us pass a commission in medical. And then whenever that passes, I would say within a year you'll see adult use, maybe two, because Indiana likes to take a slow, methodical approach, which I respect. You don't want to rush into things. Now, a counterpoint that I would make, if I heard someone else make that statement, is that we have had 34 years of science. And it's and it's all been pretty. It's actually only gotten more supportive of our thoughts as we've gotten more recent, and the the science has gotten better. The data is actually proven, kind of being obtuse. It's actually proven our points better that it is a safe alternative for many things. That it can provide some benefits. It's not a miracle cure for everything, but it does. It's it's wild how with each day we're seeing areas where it can be beneficial or where it can act in conjunction with, you know, chemotherapy and Western medicines. I'm not saying replace them, but it can work in conjunction and have like a nice synergistic kind of uh, benefit. Andy Bowman, cannabis lobbyist, my friend. Andy, always good to talk to you. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much. And if I could do one thing, just make sure you contact your legislators and be respectful, but let them know because right now they are not hearing from you. Awesome. All right. I got to ask you one more question real quick here. Mm -hmm. Coming in three. Two, one. Andy Bowman, uh, cannabis lobbyist uh, in the state of Indiana. Andy, one of the things that I've heard uh, with Colorado states that have full sort of legalization, they said driving accidents went up. Uh, you know, car accidents, uh, people testing more positive. They talk about sort of youth access uh, went up as well. How do you sort of uh, respond to those sort of uh, to, the, to that criticism that hey, if we legalize it, uh, granted we have enough problems with alcohol, we're just going to add more problems, more police, more first responders, more not the whole nine yards. Great question. Um, I agree and disagree. One, I think I would I would move it into two different sections, the first year and then other other. The first year you may have increased issues because you have people that haven't used it before. And while you're going to have a lot of people coming out of the shadows so to speak that have used it for years, you will have some first timers that may be over enthusiastic. And so for me that's an education issue where it's up to your stores, your medical professionals, your friends to say, "Hey, pump the brakes, you know, figure out what's safe. You don't you don't start drinking by, you know, smashing a fifth of whiskey of your choice. Like, you kind of ease into it, I would hope, if, if you choose to go that path with drinking. Um, Abdul, I just went way off base. What was the question? Oh, uh, but what's interesting about the crashes, though, is that you've, I've, I've seen data that shows insurance rates go down in many of these states that have legalization. And it's not a one-for-one. One. There's plenty of variables with that. But insurance companies aren't going to lower rates out of the magnanity, magnanity of their, you know. Um, so I I would like to see that. I think it's interesting. Um, I don't think you should drive while stoned or at the same time as driving. You know, it's just another distraction, as anything would be, contacts, you know, makeup, people reading the paper I've seen before, which is crazy. Um, bring me back. Um, no, well, basically we're just saying about uh, – Oh, more vices. Yeah. I would also say, sorry, I would also say with the vice argument, you're seeing many people move away from alcohol and trying cannabis. So you're going to see less. And this is anecdotal, right? But you're seeing it time and time again in these states where you're seeing less people drink 
and more people utilize maybe gummies or edibles. It's it's funny you bring that up because I want to say my home state of Illinois, which I thought was uh, interesting, that the taxes that are levied on uh, marijuana and THC and CBD actually the state actually collects more in marijuana taxes than it does now in alcohol mm. sales, which I thought was interesting. And that doesn't shock me honestly because you're starting to see more and more people. Uh, especially the youth, which is weird to say, but like younger people are are moving away from actually cannabis too, but boozing. You see less alcohol. Uh, you still see a bit with vaping, not to for that industry to catch strays, uh, but you're seeing that with vaping still a little bit on the tobacco side. But um, it has been interesting to see how now that it's not like the cool counterculture thing, you're seeing less people use it recreationally, youth wise. I'd still like to see more studies. On that, and and I think I'd like to see more studies in general too, but uh, yeah, you have seen people kind of shift their practices, and then also that leads to like less drunk driving too. So I would say like maybe there might be more fender benders. I don't know if I would agree to that, but I would say maybe. Um, but you're seeing less heavy accidents. Uh, speaking of which, uh, like I said, I was going to ask you one question, but I got to ask you a bunch of the questions now. Uh, we'll, we'll still get out on time. Uh, one of the things that has popped up uh, in the marijuana discussion too is that. Is the old joke? It's not your it's not your father's or your grandfather's grass anymore. Like back in the sixties, it was you know sort of natural herbal. Now it can be you know with with genetics and agriculture science, you can be split you know moods from you know. Uh, always always joke to say it's it's the mood commercial that I see on Facebook yeah. all the time. Whether you're you know a first time or a ganja guru, there's a mood for basically for for everything. Mm-hmm. How does that or how is that uh, going to impact the marijuana debate discussion here in Indiana? Because you can basically buy it for almost anything now. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think it's dumb, and I think the I think not to shoot shots, but I think the people that argue that don't think it through, or they don't give people enough credit with respect. Um, I mean, I thought this was America. Like, where, when did personal responsibility get thrown out the window? Like, you as a consenting adult can, and it goes to the education a bit too. Like, you, when you're given information, you have to process it and, and determine what's right for you. But I also don't think, like, if you buy an eighth or you say a pack of gummies that are 200 milligrams, right? One, I hope someone's talked to you about, like, what the dosing should be. And two, you have some personal responsibility too. Like, if you drink three two liters of Coke a day and get diabetes, it's not really Coke's fault. It's yours, right? In my mind. I mean, it, they make what they make, but you chose to drink an extraordinary amount. So I would say with anything, um, mo- you know, everything in moderation is always a good policy. So as you're learning things, you want to figure out. I think Snoop even said it a couple of years ago on like Martha Stewart. It's like if someone's smoking with you, they do one hit. You don't want to have them hit the whole cigar. Like figure out what you're comfortable with whether it's a cannabis product or an alcohol or, or other things. For instance, I had my thyroid removed. He didn't start me off on the highest milligram. He dialed in to see what worked for me. And if I would have taken the highest one, it wouldn't have ended well. Um, so I would say it's always everything in moderation. Start slow. It's always easier, no matter what it is, to add more than to take things away. Um, but I would I would generally disagree with that argument um, because – there's always going to be something else, and it's up to consenting adults to make informed decisions for themselves. When we talk about consumer and usage, uh, obviously, you know, there's beer, there's wine, there's alcohol, there's spirits. What is, for someone who's first trying, what is, what is the appropriate dosage for them versus somebody who's used it for a while? That's actually a really interesting question because everybody is different. And by that, I mean everybody's body is different and how they, the bioavailability 
And you'll see that with prescriptions. You'll see that with alcohol. You'll see that actually with redhead people um, actually require more anesthesia because there's a mutation. So it's every, every person is different and then every body is different. I'd even equate it to like computer nerds, how when they make games, they have to make sure they run on like a thousand different variables, right? NVIDIA versus AMD versus Apple versus Microsoft. Um, I would say start off with the smallest dose possible, whatever that is. You often see, and there's not really a, a standard yet, which is a whole other argument. Um, but I would say maybe like two and a half to five milligrams for an edible would probably be a safe place to start. But definitely like start with the lowest amount possible and then move up. If you're, if you're smoking it, maybe just do one puff, you know, and then wait a half hour to see how that fits. Um, because this is something that if you're doing it for medical reasons, it's going to be a long-term investment, right? So you want to make sure you're not rushing into anything. You want to make sure you're doing it safely and, and, and informed. So I would say always start with the least amount possible. And then as you become comfortable, you'll see like really where you dial it in. But then you'll also see people um, where they'll take a tea break from time to time to make sure because you can actually your CB1 and CB2. Um, um, oh, my goodness. They can actually get over full. And so you want to dial that back because they won't be able to absorb the cannabinoids well. And so your body's not actually your CB1 and CB2 receptors. Sorry. They, they can actually get over full almost like a, a balloon. But instead of popping, they just don't absorb, or a sponge, they just don't absorb anything else. And so you're not getting the medical benefits then. So it's good to sometimes, and you see this more on the adult use side and less on the medical side with, with people kind of going, pushing the limits to see what's next. Uh, why'd we go to the moon? Because it was there type of thing. And so not on the medical side as much, but you will see people on the adult side take the tea breaks to kind of refresh their receptors. But I would say to come back, and I've talked enough on that, is uh, the smallest amount possible, what you're comfortable with, and then kind of dial that in from there. Or don't do what the lovely Miss Shabazz said a couple of years ago uh, when I brought some uh, chocolate home one day, and she put it, she mixed it in her cake, like, honey, this chocolate tasted funny. Like, dear, that's not from Capitol Grill. She took like eight squares out of the 16-square bar, and it was like 10 milligrams per square, and she melted in her... Molten lava chocolate cake. Like I don't know, dear, what's going to do to you, but we're going to have fun watching. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, I've heard I've heard similar stories with that too. With uh, chocolate chip cookies was one where they had uh, made six cookies and it should have been probably forty. Yeah, that's why I say don't keep it away from your kids. Just mm-hmm. be responsible. That's all, all most people would argue and say. One hundred percent. And it, yeah, and it goes down to like proper storage, keeping out of kids' hands. I we all support the with labeling, not making it. Um, look like children's cartoons or anything like that like common sense stuff yeah and and keep it out of their hands they don't need it they they can learn about it when they're older there'll be plenty of time this podcast was produced and edited by chris spangle and leaders and legends llc if you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level please contact us at leadersandlegends.net